Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm one of your hosts, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by all my awesome co-hosts this week. Nate Heininger, how you doing, Nate? Oh, I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Shane Kelly, my bro host and twin brother, how you doing, Shane? I'm really great. And Laura Nash, how are you doing, Laura? I'm hopped up on chiptunes. <laughs> hopping. Hopping indeed. It was a pun... Because there's a frog in this game. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, I didn't get it. And that's what the visitors come here for. They all want to listen to the bad puns at the start. And you guys didn't give them bad puns. You guys did Someone not bring it. it. Thank right. you, Laura. And No, you're not. You are definitely not. Sorry, uh, Laura. I had, a fr- I had a frog in my throat. I'm, oh. I'm fine, Shane. Thanks for asking. Oh, God, you guys. All right, so we're talking about Blaster Master Zero this week. Uh, Blaster Master Zero, if it's slipped under your radar, uh, is a game from Inti Creates and publisher Sunsoft, uh, and it is on the 3DS and the Nintendo Switch, and it's a launch game for the Switch, which is partly why I decided to check it out, um, because, you know, you can only play so much Zelda. Yeah, frankly, we needed something that we could uh, play for the show on the Switch, otherwise... I would literally only be playing Zelda right now, and you guys would not have an episode to listen to. <laughs> That's the same thing uh, I'm experiencing well as well. Just it's still Zelda, just on my Wii U. So it's great to uh, bust out the the DS um, and play a little uh, little shoot 'em up platformer thing. And then nothing made me feel better when I was on the long train commute to my current client and I was playing video games and everyone around me was on laptops and I was like, take it suckers. (laughs) (laughs) It's business time. It's business time. I'm doing work for the podcast. But I will say that it wasn't just because this game was on the Switch and that gave me, you know, excuse to to play something on the Switch uh, that drew me to it because I had a little bit of experience with the Blaster Master series and this game started getting pretty good buzz, pretty good reviews from people online that I trust. Had any of you guys played Blaster Master before this? No. I have uh, played maybe 15 minutes of it uh, back Years ago when I downloaded like when emulators became possible and I downloaded like every game that I'd never heard of for uh, every system that I never had. Uh, And so I gave this one a a spin and uh, was like, oh, okay, so you're a tank. Why why is the tank jumping? That's really weird. (laughs) And uh, that's about as far as I got. (laughs) Really, uh, really landed for you, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Really did. I played a bit of this when I first got an NES. Um, now, I didn't have an NES as a kid. I got an NES basically, you know, a couple of years ago uh, as an adult. And I started collecting what, you know, I kind of just like looked up a list of what are some of the most popular games for the NES. Um, and then, you know, took out the ones that I couldn't afford because NES collecting prices are crazy now. Um, and this was a game that's like dirt cheap because it was super, super popular back in its day. And then afterwards was kind of forgotten, which is a weird thing. It's I think it's mostly just because uh, Sunsoft never really managed to like continue this series. I think a lot of the games that uh, games from the NES era that people look back on now, uh, like things like Metroid or you know a lot of the original first party Nintendo stuff that really Zelda. gets remembered. To, well, yeah, Zelda things that people really remember <laughs> today. It's because they were able to continue those series, and it's not just that one game that people remember. Uh, with Blaster Master, it did have sequels, but none of them were very good. 
But the first game was really, really good and was huge, or at least huge in the U.S. It was a really big deal. So I played a little bit of it uh, on the NES, and it's a really solid game, but it's also brutally, brutally hard. I would never, I could never really get past, I think, the second level or so. So it's, uh, it's a brutally hard game, but it did some things that were really kind of cool. And I thought, you know, if you want like a really full rundown on the original Blaster Master, um, Retronauts did a good episode on it recently, so we won't spend a ton of time talking about the original. Um, but there are just a few things we probably ought to mention about it just to give you some context on what Blaster Master Zero is trying to do in terms of being like a retro throwback to this game that some people might or might not be familiar with. So the one-line pitch of Blaster Master Zero that I heard um, was it's a platformer, but then it's a 2D top-down mode where you're wandering around shooting things. Um, I wasn't prepared for the opening sequence where there's just ludicrous things happening with frogs and aliens, and I would... From what I understand, the original story is even weirder. Oh my god. If anything, it's it's, absolu- it's absolutely weirder. Um the sort of uh, sort of lineage of Blaster Master is that uh, this was like uh, 1988, or I think it was 88 when it came out in the U.S., but it was probably earlier, like 87 or 86 when it came out in, in Japan. And in Japan, it came out with a completely different title and a completely different premise. Uh, in Japan, this was Cho Wakuseki Senkai Metafight, which is like Super Planetary War Records Metafight. Most people just call it Metafight. So Metafight was this very anime game where, you know, it was a distant planet, there were, there were you know, mechanized tanks, there were uh, cutesy, chibi, head-sized characters, and it was about, like, people fighting mutants on a distant planet. Uh, but that sort of, like, anime style didn't work for Nintendo of America. This was kind of before that sort of thing started being imported. And so uh, when Sunsoft decided to import it to the U.S., they completely retooled it as Blaster Master. And rather than being about a space yeah. anime guy. <laughs> Which is a, so much of a better title, right? <laughs> Blaster Master? Hey, Blaster Master, especially in that time, uh, that's a great name. Come yeah. on, I mean. Yeah, what are you talking about, man? 1988? So, wait, when I hear Blaster Master, I immediately confuse it with Master Math Blasters. Blaster. Yeah. Math, Wait, okay, math so there's blasters. that. I didn't even think about that. But I, oh man, I kept thinking of math blasters. Okay, wasn't in 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 the thunder the in Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome? Wasn't there a master blaster character? He was like the guy in the Thunderdome. You are correct. That he had to fight. But, okay, right. <laughs> Regardless, so, so that's what, I was really I hey. was really hoping this game would take me to the Thunderdome. But if you reverse the names, it's a strong brand name. Oh man, I just Googled it, and actually the first thing that comes up is that Stevie Wonder has a song called Master Blaster. He does. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's just a perfect (laughs) rhyme, and, you know, Master Blaster, it sounds great. But yeah, Blaster Master, conversely, uh, was (laughs) the weird localization uh, of uh, the Metafight game, and basically they wanted, I guess... To make it appeal to kids, and I saw you see this a lot in games from the well, 80s. Well, yeah, like, what are the kids into? Stevie Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess what are the kids into? Games about other kids. Like you look at like um, 
a lot of a lot of NES games from that era, particularly the weirdly localized ones, would have like a kid as the main character, and he's doing something that doesn't make sense for a kid to be doing. Well, n- nothing. Nothing about this story makes sense, but here's here's the pitch. Uh, Jason. Jason Frudnick. Excuse me. Jason Frudnick. Jason Frudnick. 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 <laughs> Common American last name. Frudnick. <laughs> Frudnick. F-R-U-D-N-I-C-K. I wonder if that was like a weird localization choice due to like... Like is that is that some Japanese uh, Sunsoft employee's idea of what an American last name should sound like, or was that just like some American localizer having fun with it and trying to make it silly? I, I really don't know. Uh, I, I hope it's silly because the alternative is just someone who has no idea what human names sound like. Frudnick. Uh, wait, okay, God, I'm sure I'm sure that we have a listener named Frudnick who's like getting real mad right now. So I'm sorry. Your name is a treasure. If we if we do have a listener named Frudnick, yeah. please God write us a letter. Uh, I I, I want to oh, hear from yes. you everything about your lineage, but uh, and you know, is Jason your cousin or something? Uh, but yeah, Jason Chase Jason has a pet frog, and the beginning of the game is basically like a slideshow of first you see. Jason tapping on the glass of his pet frog's terrarium. And then you see Fred the frog, the frog's name is Fred, escapes the terrarium and goes outside into the yard, which is like, basically looks like, you know, American backyard, but except there's also some kind of like nuclear fallout shelter sign just standing in the middle there. And there's a hole in the ground and Fred the frog jumps into it. And for some reason, uh... Jason Frudnick jumps into the hole. This is all beautifully illustrated. If you get a chance, you should look at the uh, the great intro sequence to the original game. And you see Fred, uh, Jason falling into the hole, and he gets to the bottom, and boom, there's a mecha tank. And of course, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It is, and the next, and of course, the next, a- uh, the next slide is him suiting up to get in the mecha tank. He's suddenly also got like armor and like a special helmet. Like what? That's what you get when you go in holes. Oh, well, I mean, I fell. Oh man, I fell in a hole behind my farm. Uh, uh, look, there's one of those big old tanks, and wow, somebody left me this cool red jumpsuit with this great helmet with the ears on it. Going to get back my frog. I think if you had to break the falling in a hole genre into two lines, there are ones that you get awesome armor with, and then there's things like Undertale or Downwell where you're just you. Like, <laughs> I personally, if I fall in a hole, I hope I find a mecha tape named Sophia the Third, and I am able to just wreak havoc on this uh, weird, tricked out underground world that I've found beneath my farm. That's my favorite part about it, too, is that... So, you know, throw throw out the, the weirdness, that, like, oh, yeah, this kid just jumps into this, like, purple hole that his frog jumped into. But second, finds a tank and then proceeds to just destroy everything in front of him. No, like, whoa, what am I doing down here? Maybe I should try to uh, partner or, or investigate. Nope. I'm just going to use this tank I found to kill everything that I encounter. Well, to be fair, most of what he encounters are giant mutant crabs and bees. True. (laughs) Why is there a crab in a hole? I mean... I mean, if we're getting into why is this stuff in the hole, like, why is there a sky in the hole? 
why true story you, you, you could look up there's true the sky story. uh yes. and but didn't we go into a hole no explanation is given and you know the the original game didn't really need a lot of explanation like the, it gave you, gives well, you come the, for the shooting stay for the plot conflicts yeah it, it gives you the barest of descriptions in the in the manual but it didn't really need to have a plot because it was you know this is 1988 and it had a a, a fun jumping mechanic and it had varied you know, multi-modes of gameplay. This felt like a really big and exciting and interesting game in 1988. I would presume I did not play it in that era. Yeah, and it, it's, I mean, it's fine now. It's more of like a, a silly oddity when you're playing it because you know this is a remake. So it's like, there's only so much they can do for it. And I'm not sitting here like, this is stupid. Like, oh, I need I need more about this frog before it jumps in. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, it's fine. It's still fun. Well, that's what I think is so great about the quote unquote story of Blaster Master Zero is that like it, it kind of it's a really clever attempt to split the difference and try to resolve some of the weirdness. It doesn't truly resolve it, but just sort of try to make some sense of kind of combining or mashing together the stories of uh you know metafight and blaster master so instead of being on just you know earth and why is there a hole with a tank in it we're in far future earth earth that's been destroyed by wars and global you know whatever and so there's uh, and the underground everything was wonderful until global whatever yeah <laughs> and then it's we went real... underground and then we came back up and yeah now and... the story begins so there's all these underground caves that i guess people were inhabiting back when they were trying to escape global warming or whatever and you're going down into now the world is empty there's no more frogs and you have one precious frog and I guess that kind of explains why you're going on a on a like multi boss level uh, shooting quest, destroying thousands and thousands of mutants in order to save your one frog is because he's a special frog. He's the the, the only frog. It's a fr- doesn't it say frog like creature? Does it actually say it's it's a straight up frog? It's I mean, he's it's not a it's, straight up frog. He's first off he's got a long tail. Second he wears an he wears more jewelry than yeah he's got a little like <laughs> than power any power frog I've ever so. seen. He's got little power bracelets on that are like yeah. purple. Like, <laughs> but he is, you know, he's he's Fred. He's kind of a cute, cute little Fred. Design. And so, just that that's kind of a that's kind of a example of where they really had some fun with like taking the original game and they're not slavishly sticking to it. But this is much more remake than sequel. This is like. I, Graphically, it kind of feels like if they had made a really, really good Blaster Master sequel just a few years later on something like, I don't know, maybe the TurboGrafx-16 or maybe the SNES, although it doesn't quite have an SNES look. It looks to me sort of like a very advanced 8-bit style. Yeah. Uh, you know, not an NES game, but not quite like, SNES. I was worried when I, when I heard that it was from the makers of Mighty Number no. 9, right? Because... I was I was thinking that it would have that same kind of visual update look oh, to it where yeah. they like smooth everything out for no reason. Uh you know and that what that always winds up looking like to me is like is like going from Sonic the Hedgehog to you know cool, cool pixel Sonic the Hedgehog high fives to like weird 3D cartoon retake of a retake on Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, <laughs> and and that's what that's what I was worried I would see. I don't know. I, I dig the uh, I dig the very the authenticity of the art style. Is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, it's a pretty game. It's it's simple. It's got good colors. I mean, it's a little choppy, at least on my 3DS. But, uh, you know, it, it definitely feels like uh, playing an updated version of a game from the late 80s. And I think it's nice. Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. It's out on both the Switch and the 3DS. I played the Switch version, and it's very smooth on the Switch. But I did kind of wish that I had that second screen. I'm assuming the second screen shows the map. Is that right? Nope. Incorrect. What? That oh. would be that would be great. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh. where, "There's a second screen. Wherefore out the second screen? What are you? What? Like it's, it feels uh, more like a port in some ways. Yeah, weird. that's really weird. You can weird. tap the second screen to just go to as if you hit pause, not to go to the menu, um, like if as if you hit select, but just to go to the, like the um, uh, settings and stuff like that. It's actually kind of obnoxious because I kind of fat finger the uh, the settings or the like the mm-hmm. menu sometimes, and I end up going to the pause screen. Um, yeah, it seemed like a real waste of space when when I end up going to the uh, map pretty frequently all the time. Yeah, that is extremely surprising to me because something yeah. so mm. something that really confused me about the Switch version is that it doesn't fit to the switch screen it's slightly narrower so there's like black bars on the left and right but not actually big ones like they like not it's not like they were trying to do four by three can i be honest i was playing i was playing it on the switch and i totally did not notice that until you just said it and now it's all i can see oh no we broke it for shane and i assumed that that was because they had like set the um like i had kind of assumed they were developing it for the 3ds initially and then kind of ported it to switch at the last minute to be a uh to be a switch launch game and and part of that i assumed was the weird aspect ratio which isn't a four by three tv aspect ratio so it doesn't seem like a deliberate retro choice i assumed it was trying to fit like a screen size a screen dimensions that would work for both consoles but it's super weird that it doesn't set like I also thought it was super annoying to try to get to the map all the time because you have to press the like button that's the functionally the pause button. I guess it's on the switch. It's the minus button. And then you have to like hit a trigger button to switch from the I guess it's like an inventory or item or not item, but um, like weapon management screen over to the map. So it's like two or three button presses to get to the map. And I, I kept thinking like this has got to be just on the the bottom screen on the 3DS. That would be really convenient. Really weird. It would it's be not. Yeah, it's like it feels like it was a port made for not Switch and not 3DS, and yeah. then they were like, uh, "I guess, oh, oh, okay, we forgot a console. Uh, we'll port it to <laughs> 3DS, and then and also Switch." I will at least give it the credit that that it runs at least on the Switch. It runs extremely smooth. It's like, I mean, I'm not a frame uh, counting person, but it runs incredibly buttery smooth. Um, and, uh, it's, it's got a lot of like life to it. The motion of the characters, the animations is really like lively. This is something I really, really respected and was, was into about the NES game. The character that model for Sophia, the third, the tank is like way more expressive and interesting than you would think that a tank would be. And they carried that forward and made it even more, uh, more so on the, on the, uh, the remake. You know, I thought, I thought the model for the, for the, 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 the little, the, for the guy was pretty expressive as well. Like Jason Frudnick. Especially Shane. when, when, when you see him get out of the tank and be really small next to it. Yeah. yeah. He's yes. tiny. 
Make sure I you say his so full much. name. Thank you, Reagan, yeah. for pointing when that you, out. His name when is you Jason get a good Frudnick. Look at, uh, at Jason Frudnick. When Jason Frudnick <laughs> steps out of Sophia the uh, Third, and 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 you you have to like walk around or jump. So first off, he's only like four pixels tall, practically. Uh, and second, like sometimes you have to like climb things or go under stuff. And the my favorite animation in the game is uh, Mini Frudnick. Uh, like inchworming through passages that are too short for even him, you know, because it, hmm, that's <laughs> yeah, a great, it's great. What I really, so I, I really like that there's several sort of modes to the play and we've kind of talked about that already, but like, obviously there's the 2d platforming sections where you're playing as Sophia, the third, the jumping tank and the animations for jumping and everything for Sophia are really expressive and cute and interesting for a tank. I really like the way that it sort of seems it sort of simulates yeah. suspension by having, you know, when when Sophia lands, the the wheels kind of squish out to the sides a little bit and pop back in. It's real nice ease, which is something you don't see often in a retro gamer like this. Yeah, and it had that on the NES, which is insane. Like that really stood out on the NES. I think it's one of the reasons the game was so popular. And then you can hop out and walk around as Jason. He's really cute. And you can go into uh, the sort of dungeons, I guess you'd call them, uh, which have a sort of Zelda style perspective top down. And you're running around as Jason shooting, uh, you know, it's sort of a, it's not quite a twin stick shooter type of setup because even though you do have two sticks on the, uh, on the switch, it's more like, uh, you know, walk and you're shooting in the direction that you're walking kind of setup. What really, what really kind of worked for me with that was the way they have uh, the trigger button kind of lock your turn. Mm, yeah. So that you can, um, you can fire in a different direction from where you're moving. And in a lot of cases that like that, that's extremely helpful. I, 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 I can't imagine that they had that on the NES. They didn't, and that made this a lot easier to uh, to play than the NES version, for me at least. And it didn't even have, if I understand correctly, the NES did not have the angle shot either, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that second or the diagonal shots are what I think make this game work half the time. Because if it was just side or up or having to jump, it would be pretty awful. And among all of that, there's actually some pretty complicated systems. Uh, so this was sort of surprising to me how, how kind of in-depth this got. Uh, there's uh, So for when you're a tank, when you're in Sophia the Third, um, you're constantly getting upgrades to Sophia's weaponry and mobility. So there's different chips that you pick up in different dungeons that add features to the tank that let you do things like hover or crawl on walls or that add different types of special shots. So Sophia has a regular shot. She has a shot I'm saying she, the tank, has a, a shot where you can hold down and get a more powerful shot that you well, can Well, once you out. name a tank, Sophia, you can, it's okay to call it she. Female-identified tank. <laughs> yes. And uh, there's also sort of a special shot that uses up a meter. And something that it really improved from the previous game is that when you're... Uh, so in both Sophia the Third and Jason, uh, if they get hit, it dings their their weapon it reminds me a lot of cave story uh it has that sort Mm -hmm. of system where you know you have you have a series of weapons to choose from and if you're powered all the way up you can choose from any of those weapons but then if you start getting hit you start losing access to your more powerful weapons um and in the nes game that was extraordinarily punishing because you know one hit and you would lose access to all of your good stuff and suddenly you'd be like way underpowered and you would almost or if you're me at least you'd almost immediately die or feel like you were about to die uh until you collected some more of these little 
um, pellets to repower up your guns. Uh, here, they added a few things to, they kept that system, but they added a few things to make it a little less incredibly punishing and difficult. Uh, one is that there's a sort of a shield, so you can take a couple of hits within a certain amount of time, and it doesn't start dinging your, your weapon's power. Um, and also just, I think they, they sprinkled a lot more of that weapon power up, uh, you know, stuff, the, the pink pellets into the game than it seemed like were present in the NES version. Yeah. It's a real smart, um, uh, kind of mechanic. It, it makes you, um, you know, value when you're really powered up because the most powered up gun is pretty rad. Oh yeah. Um, the wave it gun fires in. Yeah, it fires in a pretty wide range in front of you and and can really deal a lot of damage. And it stuns enemies, so when it hits them, like they stop moving for a second, which is like really really yeah. important when you have crowds. Yeah. Uh, it really helps deal with those. Yeah, and it also teaches you um, to not rely on those. Uh, you know, your your basic gun is a terrible little thing that shoots maybe a little you know, pop gun. Yeah, a little pop gun that barely shoots in front of you, and the second power up uh is better and shoots at a longer range and there'll be plenty of times i i know i had a couple boss experiences where i did a bad job in the kind of like lead up to the boss and i'd encounter it with you know maybe only the second or third power up and i had to do the whole thing with only the uh you know the 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 basic weaponry so it really rewards you to play carefully and and carry these power ups all the way to the bosses um, but also teaches you to get good at the terrible guns because, kind of as Reagan pointed to, if you're like me, you spend a lot of the game with the terrible guns. Most of the gameplay, I'm just using the awful guns. I had a couple <laughs> yeah. tastes of glory, and then I got very excited and died quickly. Yeah, another game that we've done for the show that was uh, did something like this, but I, even kind of smarter was... Uh, transistor right mm. um as you get hit you lose your weaponry but what transistor did was allow you to choose the order <laughs> at which you lose those things which is a pretty cool evolution of this i'm not trying to like describe myself as a super elite gamer or anything but i don't know i found myself with the uh with the weapons at the top almost the entire game like i i've had very little time in the game where i didn't have the like I don't know what the tallest level one is called, but it's like the super wave blaster mm -hmm. or something, right? That sounds right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, clearly. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it depends on how patient you were playing because if you're just running through – because I, I was playing again on a train and I was often yeah. very I, – I was not playing in a cautious manner in the slightest. You know, one thing that super helps – I mean, maybe I am playing a little, a little cautiously because I'm playing it on a TV, you know, sitting back, not on a train – but also, and th there's something unique to the Switch that I think I'm the only one of us that has experienced this feature, uh, and it's the two-player mode. Did mm. I, any of you, anybody else, I don't even know if the version on the 3DS has this. I think it might be exclusive to the Switch. I don't know how it could, unless we link them together. <laughs> the, the second player controls like an on-screen crosshair and has the ability Ooh. to just sort of shoot enemies anywhere on the screen uh, with a sort of you know, fairly low powered gun, but in some of your tighter platformer si platforming situations where there's like, you know, I'm trying to get onto a platform, but there's a bug there, you know, it makes that kind of thing a lot easier. And the, the cool thing that they do with it is that in addition to 
you know, killing enemies and, you know, dealing damage to the boss, the second player uh, can make power-ups. So hmm. when the second player hits enemies, he like, they charge up a meter. Uh, and if the meter is full, uh, you can drop a power-up of any kind. Wow. So the second player is extremely helpful, even hmm. if they're doing, you know, they, at worst, they're doing nothing. Uh, and at best, they're, they're extremely helpful. Well, no wonder you're always going around with a uh, full everything. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 super <laughs> it's super duper helpful. That's probably the reason that I've I've done as well in the game as I have. Um, it kind of feels almost like cheating, but it's my wife helping me, so actually, it's a very friendly. Uh, yeah, that's nice fun. Kind of cheating, and you know, and it's pretty uh, it's pretty um, low impact. You know, I honestly think it's a really good use of the Joy Cons for for this thing because you know it gives somebody else a way to sort of, you know, share in that player two experience. Yeah. I think that's pretty rad. It, it, it's not like this game is this like grueling challenge fest. I mean, it, if anything, yeah, my, my, my main, my only real strong complaint about it is that I think it's a little too easy. And, uh, I, I didn't find myself ha- like, I, I didn't find it as challenging as I find something like, uh, like shovel Knight. Um, well, you know, and with so many, uh, with so many, um, retro games uh being so punishingly difficult i think it I, i'm perfectly welcoming one that i think i can finish yeah which is a, a, a big reason for us to recommend it on this show absolutely so shane based off of everything you're telling me would would you describe yourself as a blaster master um i would say that i mastered the blaster would you are you a mat are you a master a master Master blaster, master, a, a blaster, master, 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 master of the blasters in master in blaster master. Okay, I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut you both is off. Your right wife, uh, <laughs> is, your, is your wife a blaster master in master Bla- blaster she's, master? She's she's. Don't bring my wife into this. this she's household. the blaster master's apprentice because she just has little crosshairs. Oh man, um, it, it's a uh, it's a pretty solid game, and uh, there's not a whole lot else to say about it. Uh, it's about eight hours long uh if you uh if you play at the pace that i was and um it's uh it's not punishingly difficult which is a big selling point for folks who might not be able to uh kind of dig into really hardcore retro games i know a lot of folks who for example uh wanted to like and play shovel knight but found uh hit, hit a little bit too much of a of a difficulty wall with it Reagan, you can't subtweet me while I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shane, but it's a it's a pretty good game. I, I really hope that we see more stuff just like this. I think that something like like I think this is an example of where some developers who hold these great licenses on old, maybe underappreciated retro game uh, franchises uh, have seen the success of games like shovel knight and thought we can probably do that too and you know inti creates is a japanese developer with uh, like a strong background in doing retro style games you can look at their you know their uh their history and they've done tons of uh, mega man games and other games in in old classic series and and sunsoft apparently still exists and and has the license for blaster master and and uh so that was a perfect it's sort of a perfect time to to take that 
franchise out of the closet and give it another go. And they did a really great job here. Yeah, I, I would love to see a uh, Blaster Master. Well, if this one's zero, then I guess Blaster Master one. Blaster Master 2018. <laughs> Blaster Master of the future. Are there any other retro uh, game series that you think have kind of fallen off and that would benefit from uh, from a modern kind of attempt at a remake like this? Well, if I had heard of them, they probably would have had a remake because I wasn't allowed to have consoles as a child, so I would have good grades. Oh, and it worked. But it, it worked, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. They may have even made this game already, but I played a lot of uh, Golden Axe back oh, on man. my Sega, which would be um, fun to see a uh, you know an update to that kind of game. You know, we did a uh, Streets of Rage, the uh, the kind of side scrolling, you know, beat 'em up. Mm-hmm. I was actually just about to mention that. I would, I would absolutely, I would pay any amount of money for a modern uh but maybe you know still sort of retro styled but a modern uh streets of rage game a new streets of rage game with you know a, a great rockin soundtrack that kind of keeps that retro aesthetic uh but pushes things forward a little bit the way this does with blaster master yeah i don't know how you do a you do a modern uh brawler really well like what are some modern brawlers that you could pattern it after guacamelee is the prototype Uh, for okay for like and guacamelee is one of my favorite games that we've ever done for this show uh because it does exactly that though it adds super intense platforming uh and really really satisfying yeah i think if you like took took the uh took the streets of rage formula and added some more more depth to the fighting you know some combo uh systems and some stuff like that uh while still keeping it kind of a you know walk walk to the right through dismal looking streets and hit 17 guys wearing Mm -hmm. the same jacket kind of thing like i would totally play that the only modern-ish one I can think of is the uh, Scott Pilgrim game, but that even so is, it's supposed to feel retro. Like Scott Pilgrim is supposed to feel like a throwback in many yeah. ways. That that game Absolutely. is supposed to be a nostalgia machine. So people are doing it, but I feel like they're not doing it um, as a new original concept necessarily. They're doing it as a nostalgia exercise. So I don't know what people are going to do next with it. This is odd timing because just a week or so ago, I actually just pre-ordered a game called Paprium. That's uh, Paprium is a uh, is a Genesis brawler. It's a homebrew Genesis game from this uh, this company that's made some Genesis homebrew in the past that was kind of popular. Uh, they made some RPG that I'm forgetting the name of uh, at the moment, but it's anyway. They they have some experience making uh, Genesis games, you know today and uh they are making a streets of rage like brawler game called paprium that's coming out on an 80 megabyte genesis card it'll be the largest genesis card ever made um and i pre-ordered a copy uh, it's like kind of expensive so i i feel a little silly about it but just having looked at the art i was like that looks like a, a more modern streets of rage game sure i'll i'll <laughs> give you 70 bucks for that and I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So um, you know, maybe that maybe there is some hope for that. Uh if they end up releasing that on like Steam or what have you, it it might actually be the kind of Blaster Master Zero treatment for uh Streets of Rage. That's super awesome. I didn't I mean so it it's it it blows me away how many um people are like doing stuff like this for old 
consoles. That maybe this doesn't surprise me as much as the thing you got for that Vectrex. Oh yeah, like people 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 making like ports of games that you know run on my iPhone, porting them to Vectrex of all things. You know, I don't know. Like, that's sort of a strange scene, but I, I'm glad people are doing it, keeping the keeping that flame burning. Let us know how that game turns out. I want to. I want to give it a shot. I will. It's it's fun picking up a brand new cartridge with a brand new game on it in 2016 or 17. It's kind of a cool thing. You know, all the things that you're saying are, are kind of why I I was I was hyped about the Switch. This game, for example, is exactly the kind of thing that I was looking forward to playing on new Nintendo hardware that looks as good as this. Yeah, this is a Nintendo ass game. <laughs> I you know, I, I I also was happy that uh, the Switch uses cartridges. I, I I didn't get a chance to buy this on a cartridge. Uh, I've got my Breath of the Wild cartridge in there. And it's never coming out ever. <laughs> well we'll see. We'll see what, what, what games come down the pipe. It's never coming out. <laughs> I've been playing Zelda it's it's a month old yesterday and I feel like I'm like a quarter of the way into this game yeah same guys here. i'm gonna be intolerable in may when i'm like guys guys i just i just met a horse <laughs> oh no i'll be super excited to talk to you about about horses. yeah i was gonna say laura we're gonna be like no we know and you're yes. right you're like great. just wait till you get to the fish man i've seen the fish man all over twitter and i'm like no i don't want to i don't want to know about this lovely what is happening the internet really 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 <laughs> wants to make out with that fish man i know oh my god I feel like before I start, I should write my impression of Breath of the Wild and what I think is going to happen based on only what I've seen in the internet, <laughs> and then play and be like, oh man, the internet led me wrong. Yandiri's fish simulator. So do we have a verdict on Blaster Master? Ultimately, I guess I would say I absolutely recommend this if you are looking for a relatively not punishing, but still very retro, uh, fun experience, and you have a portable Nintendo platform. Yeah, I mean, it's $9.99. Um, it's a com- full, complete game. You'll definitely get your... Uh you know your money's worth um it's fun i think as we kind of said before i do think this is probably the jumping off point to a uh, a new franchise or a rebirth of a franchise uh, from so. nintendo um i mean it by all accounts it's, it's done really well and people are liking it so um i i don't see why they wouldn't make another one and uh I, i'm glad to have played it i, I definitely I, I recommend it if you have the system go for it yeah, and I personally would would say that if you are like me and you're playing just a metric ton of Zelda on your Switch, um, and you want just anything that you can flip over to when you get frustrated with a dungeon, uh, go for it. Yeah, this is a perfect experience for that. You know, it's a it, it's not it's not difficult enough that I felt frustrated by it, but it's always interesting and challenging, just challenging enough that I kept stay I was engaged with it. I really felt sort of like mm-hmm. into it and and involved in it the whole way through. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it has it has some really great bosses and some of the best ones are at the very end of the game. Um 
That's actually something that I wanted to talk about briefly on the episode and then forgot all about. So maybe I'll just take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite boss name of all time. The f- the flashing boss names before you fight everything kind of got me laughing sometimes. Like, yeah. one of them was just called Ambush Room. <laughs> but it says the lair of ambush room. I want to give a shout out to perhaps the best boss name of all time. And this isn't too big of a spoiler because it's relatively early in the game. Uh, you, you're, you've been looking for Fred. You roll into a giant cavern. There's a giant frog. And you know, your first assumption is, could this be Fred? No, it's not Fred. This is the lair of the earth shattering tyrant Ribby Roll. I just... <laughs> the, the gigantic text, the dramatic... Ribby roll. Beep, beep, beep. Warning. I loved it. You've entered the lair of Ribby roll. (laughs) The earth-shattering tyrant Ribby roll, the giant frog. So all of the bosses are kind of amusing like that. And, you know, they're not terribly challenging. You can kind of steamroll Ribby roll a little bit. But uh, it's it's constantly got little surprises and fun. And uh, I just wanted to briefly call out Ribby roll as maybe my best... Uh, my favorite boss Ruby name Roll. ever. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can follow our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, or you can go to our website, www.theshortgame.net, where we have a contact form and some links where you can leave us an iTunes review. And on that note, <laughs> we as a group only recently learned that uh, iTunes reviews are regional and we like to shout out uh, anytime somebody leaves us a nice review on the show. At this point, we like to uh, say thank you and and we'll usually give them a shout out. We have not done this for um, it's uh, basically anybody no outside of the like, U.S. region. I, I kind of <laughs> vaguely was aware of, of this, but I, I didn't really know how to check uh, other region iTunes reviews. You'd think that's that as somebody who like cares about podcasting i would have sought this information out but apparently not so apologies to our uh, overseas listeners we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us itunes reviews on your various regional itunes uh stores and we loved reading reviews from 2015 telling us we were fantastic <laughs> well thank you guys <laughs> I'm shocked that there are iTunes reviews outside of Texas for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shout out uh, Z Kraken from Greece, who left us a five-star review back uh, near the end of 2014. Oh so, gosh. buddy, if you're still listening, uh, thank you so much for that great review uh, back in 2014. We recently re- uh, re- uh, received a few from some listeners in the UK. It blows my mind that there's anyone uh, listening to this show, let alone people in other countries. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And for those who've left us reviews, we deeply appreciate it. I mean, this actually raises questions for me, like, about our podcast. Like... When we talk about what systems things are available on, uh, do we need to be making sense of the different regions throughout the world? If you have feedback for us about that, did we screw that up yet? (laughs) Uh, Give us feedback. Leave us another review. Um, And if you haven't left us a review, uh, it's really the best way that you can support the show if you uh, have a moment. It's really not difficult to do. Just head to www.theshortgame.net and click on the link to subscribe to our show in iTunes. That'll take you to your iTunes store where you can, if you want, also just leave us a review. And we really appreciate it when you guys do that. 
Otherwise, you can get in touch with us through that website or on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? You guessed it, on Twitter at NateSTL. And thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of The Short Game.